Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. So who are the conservatives on MSNBC? Anybody know? There aren't any. Who are the conservatives on CNN? There aren't any. Who are the conservatives who write for the New York Times? I'm not talking about columnists. I'm talking about news people. There aren't any. Who are the conservatives that write for the Washington Post? There aren't any. Who are the conservative nightly news network hosts? Are they conservatives? There aren't any. Isn't that amazing? Not one. And of course there are liberals all over Fox. Walk around Fox, you bump into them left and right. But that's not the case with these other networks. Who, who are the conservatives on The View? Not this Graham or whatever her name is. She's a uh, crackpot. There aren't any. Who are the conservatives on the late night comedy shows such as they are? Other than Gutfeld on Fox, on the networks I'm talking about. There aren't any. None. Who are the conservatives on the Today Show? Don't give me Bush. There aren't any. Who are the conservatives on Good Morning America? There aren't any. Who are conservatives on the CBS Morning Show? There aren't any. There aren't any. Who are the conservatives on 60 Minutes? There aren't any. On Meet the Press? There aren't any. There's a few rhino repubics. That's it. There aren't any. And that's why the propaganda and the lies and the intellectual corruption just go on and on and on. Like the Republicans are election deniers. 
Hakeem Jeffries comes from a family that is loaded with anti-Semites, especially his uncle. And Hakeem has never denounced anti-Semitism or his uncle. Maybe remember Professor Jeffries. Democrat poised to succeed Pelosi repeatedly denied legitimacy of Trump's 2016 election, just the news. How come this isn't leading any of the other networks? They keep talking about election deniers. There's claims of a stolen election. Voter suppression. have hardly gotten the same treatment as Trump and other Republicans who've raised ballot integrity issues. Now you see what's going on in Arizona? Even the Attorney General's office has said two of these counties, including Maricopa County, they have some explaining to do. That's not some conspiracy theorist. Those are real investigators. Jeffries... Currently, the House Democratic Conference chairman, in line to be speaker, not speaker, Democrat leader, has tweeted that Trump cheated in the 2016 election and stole two Supreme Court seats. Lie, I'm quoting him, lie more than any administration in history of the Republic. Cheat, 2016 election, Russian interference. Steal, one or two Supreme Court seats. When will Republicans put country ahead of party, he tweeted. Jeffrey's denial of Trump's elections date to at least February 2018 when he launched a Twitter broadside against the 45th president. Quote, the more we learn about the 2016 election, the more illegitimate, in caps, it becomes. Jeffries tweeted from his congressional account four years ago, claiming Russian interference benefited Trump. Quote, America deserves to know whether we have a fake capital president in the Oval Office. In 2019, even though special counsel Robert Mueller had concluded Trump had not colluded with Russia, Jeffries claimed at a congressional hearing that Trump had been put into the White House, quote, artificially, unquote. Quote, history will never accept you as a legitimate president, Jeffries tweeted from his personal account in 2020, referring to Trump. Now, in March 2021, March 2021, Jeffries claimed without evidence that Republicans had suppressed votes in prior elections. Quote, what kind of political party worships at the altar of voter suppression, he wrote, a morally bankrupt one, unquote. Though his language is similar to Republicans who are branded election deniers, Jeffries has not gotten the same negative attention that Trump or Arizona gubernatorial nominee Carrie Lake have received. Joe Concha, our friend, he noted the media's general silence and question whether Jeffries' ascension toward House Minority Leader might change things. Will the media label him an election denier in an effort to be consistent with the same applied to some GOP candidates in the 2022 midterms? No, they won't. Now, we're not going to play the whole 10 or 20 minutes that I've played for you before of election deniers in the Democrat Party. Going back to 20. 2000, going back to 2004, going back to 2016, including members of the January 6th committee. The media know this. The Democrats know this. The Democrats keep putting out the big lie. The media keep regurgitating it because they're one and the same. One's an appendage to the other. And they know there's nobody to check them because there's no conservatives in the newsrooms. None. At NBC and CBS and ABC. 
None on their morning shows, none on their Sunday shows, none in their magazine shows, none in the news departments at the New York Times, none in the news departments at the Washington Post, none, zero. So there's no pushback. It's called propaganda. One party control of the media. Until Elon Musk, who they now hate and are trying to destroy, there was one party control with the oligarchs of big social media. So let us remind ourselves, not for 10 minutes, but it could go on and on and on for 12 minutes. Democrats denying election results. Cut 18. Go. You can run the best campaign. You can even become the nominee. They call her Hillary. You can have the election stolen from you. How can you win with Russian interference, though? That's, That's what I'm thing. scared about no, in 2020. But, but rightly. Because right. I think he's an illegitimate president that didn't really win. So how do you, you know, fight against that in 2020? You are absolutely right. He's an illegitimate president in my mind. Would you be my vice presidential candidate? <laughs> Folks, look, I absolutely agree. Trump didn't actually win the election in 2016. He lost the election. And he was put in the office because the Russians interfered. Trump knows he's an illegitimate president. The president-elect, although legally elected, is not legitimate. I don't see this president-elect as a legitimate president. You said you believe that Russia's interference altered the outcome of the election. I do. We have a president who, if in fact it is proven, uh, has been assisted by the Russians and may in fact not be a legitimate president. The one thing that Trump is fearful of uh, when it comes to his being president is that finally we will see how illegitimate his victory actually was. I have an objection. I object to the 15 votes from the state of North Carolina. I object because people are horrified. He's an illegitimate president. Do you believe Trump is illegitimate president? What I believe is that there's no question that the outcome of this election was affected by the Russian interference. But there absolutely is a cloud of illegitimacy. So that legitimacy is in question, yes. So that was a very tainted election. And and in that sense, it's illegitimate. Why do you think the president is going to such great lengths to essentially prove that he beat you? Because he knows he didn't. He knows he's an illegitimate president. Stolen emails. Stolen drone. Stolen drone. Stolen election. Welcome to the world of unprecedented Trump. So do you believe President Trump is an illegitimate president? Based on what I just said, which I can't retract. <laughs> The Russian attempt to have, to have the election, and frankly, the FBI's uh, weighing in on the election. I think make the make makes his election illegitimate. There was a widespread understanding that this election was not on the level. We still don't know what really happened, Isaac. I mean, there's just a lot that I think will be revealed. History will discover. But you don't win by three million votes and have all this other shenanigans stuff going on and not come away with an idea like, whoa, something's not right here. The outcome of the election was affected by their interference. And now we need to know, you know to what degree, uh, if any, the Trump campaign was actually in collusion with the, uh, with so Russia. he knows he's an illegitimate president. So of course he's obsessed with me, and I believe that it's a guilty conscience. We actually won the last presidential election, folks. They stole the last presidential election. And Al Gore won that election. I think he won it anyway. Actually, I think I carried Florida. Bush versus Gore. A court took away a 
Bank presidency. If all the votes were counted in Florida, that Al Gore would be president today and George Bush would be back in office. I come from Florida, where you and others participated in what I call the United States coup d'etat. There's no doubt in my mind that Al Gore was elected president. I rise to object to the fraudulent 25 Florida electoral votes. I must object because of the overwhelming evidence of official misconduct. Deliberate fraud chair, and an attempt the to chair must remind It is signed by myself on behalf of my diverse constituents and the millions of Americans who have been disenfranchised by Florida's inaccurate vote count. The Supreme the, uh, Court, not the is, people of the United States, the, decided this election. Speaking to a Democratic group in Chicago Tuesday, he made it clear he thinks Al Gore was the winner. By the time it was over... Our candidate had won the popular vote, and the only way they could win the election was to stop the voting in Florida. Catherine Harris, Jeb Bush, Jim Baker, and the Supreme Court hadn't tampered with the results. Al Gore would be president. The yeah, Supreme yes. Court elected the president. Yes. Al Gore won the state of Florida in 2000, although not the presidency. But the Supreme Court tampered? That's a large start. The Supreme Court stopped the counting of the votes, and if they let the count go on, Al Gore would have got the necessary votes. The Supreme Court selected George W. Bush as the president. He was not elected. There is overwhelming evidence that George W. Bush did not win this election. What I observed uh, as a voter, as a citizen of Illinois, uh, four years ago, were troubling evidence of the fact that not every vote was being counted. I don't think that George W. Bush won the election. Uh, in 2000, I guess that would go because I, I think it, he probably lost Florida and also that nationwide. If you invite me back on this show in about eight weeks, I think you're going to learn that Al Gore actually did get all the votes in there. The court has been thwarting formation of the popular will. The most spectacular example being Bush versus Gore, where the majority by a 5-4 vote enjoined the counting of more than 100,000 ballots in Florida and essentially gave America its first court-appointed president. I think in 2000, everybody thought, well, he did win the election, Al Gore. After the election, when you stole the election. All right, that's enough. There's a lot more. How dare these slimeballs call us election deniers when they've been doing this for 22 years? Remember the disappearing mailboxes? Remember that? The summer of 2020? that Trump and the Postmaster General, who was a major Trump donor, were disappearing mailboxes, particularly in minority and Democrat areas, in order to affect mail-in ballots. Remember that, Mr. Producer? USA Today and the other media jumped all over it. Here it is. United States Postal Service removes thousands of mailboxes each year. In 2020, mail-in ballots make it political. By Katie Weddle, John Salmon, and Dak Lee. Will mail-in voting decide America's next president? A U.S. postal worker rolled through downtown Columbus, Ohio in late May, stopping to hoist iconic blue mailboxes onto a flatbed truck. Protests after George Floyd's death under the knee of a Minneapolis police officer had taken a destructive turn the night before. In front of the offices of the Columbus Dispatch, part of the USA Today network, a reporter asked the worker why he was taking the boxes. Because of the riots, he told her, and all more than 30 mailboxes disappeared from the city streets that day. Now, they didn't return until August 21, the same day Postmaster General Louis DeJoy testified to a Senate committee about postal cuts. 
In the meantime, across the United States, missing mailboxes had become a political hot button. I won't make you suffer through that. What was going on is the Democrats and the media were accusing Trump and the Republicans and the Postal Service under the Postmaster General, a major donor to Trump, to removing postal boxes in Democrat precincts to affect the outcome of the election. It never happened. That is, there was no political strategy to remove mailboxes to hurt Democrats in Democrat areas. They were looking at the mailboxes that weren't getting used. And so rather than spending money sending trucks there every day or twice a day, they removed them. Remember that, Democrat scandal? Remember that, America? I'll be back. Mark Folks, our great nation was founded on the principle of all men are created equal. But far too many of our nation's colleges and universities, including those in the so-called Ivy League, continue to insist on using race as a factor for admissions. And the Supreme Court is deciding a case on this subject right now. But there's a unique American college that doesn't discriminate based on race. It never has, and it never will. And it's my favorite college, Hillsdale College. Hillsdale was founded in 1844 to educate, quote, all persons, irrespective of nationality, color, or sex, unquote. It continues that policy today, admitting students on the strength of their character, ability, and intentions, not their heritage or background. My friend Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College, recently published an article explaining Hillsdale's colorblind policies and its related refusal of government funding, even indirectly in the form of federal student aid. Read it for yourself at levinforhillsdale.com. And after you read it, you may even want to support Hillsdale with a year-end gift. So please go read Dr. Arn's article today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. I want you folks to go to, at YouTube, the ease of hacking voting machines. I am not saying voting machines have been hacked. I am not putting out any hypothesis. That's not my purpose here. My purpose is to expose the Democrat Party and the Democrat Party media. It's from three years ago. I want you to take a look at it, how hackers can target voting machines, NBC News, three years ago. Go to YouTube, the ease of hacking voting machines. I don't know how easy it is. I don't know how hard it is. I don't even know if it's possible. But NBC News did an entire segment on this, almost five minutes. Five minutes. Dominion might want to sue them, by the way. Five minutes. How hackers can target voting machines, NBC News. Again, I don't pass judgment. Just take a look. I'll be back. Folks, our great nation was founded on the principle of all men are created equal. But far too many of our nation's colleges and universities, including those in the so-called Ivy League, continue to insist on using race as a factor for admissions. And the Supreme Court is deciding a case on this subject right now. But there's a unique American college that doesn't discriminate based on race. It never has, and it never will. And it's my favorite college, Hillsdale College. Hillsdale was founded in 1844 to educate, quote, all persons, irrespective of nationality, color, or sex, unquote. It continues that policy today, admitting students on the strength of their character, ability, and intentions, not their heritage or background. 
My friend Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College, recently published an article explaining Hillsdale's colorblind policies and its related refusal of government funding, even indirectly in the form of federal student aid. Read it for yourself at levinforhillsdale.com. And after you read it, you may even want to support Hillsdale with a year-end gift. So please go read Dr. Arn's article today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. This is the nation's town hall meeting, and you can join in at 877-381-3811. So the Democrat Party denies the legitimacy of the George W. Bush presidency in 2000, that he was appointed by the Supreme Court, and the court stopped the counting of votes. Remember that? 2004, they claimed the illegitimacy of the vote coming out of Ohio in order to try and uh, install John Kerry as President of the United States. Um, people objecting to the counting of electors there included uh, Communist Jamie Raskin and Communist James Clyburn. Of course, now I keep talking about election deniers and democracy. 2016, there's not a Democrat alive who served in Congress or in the media who didn't spread the Russia collusion lie that Donald Trump was installed in the White House. Every damn one of them on CNN, MSNBC, New York Slimes, Washington Compost, all of them pushed the lie. Media, NBC and others, talked about the easy ability to hack voting machines. And as that goes on, they even have Elizabeth Warren talking about that, concerned about that, as well as Bernie Sanders. Then, of course, it was the removal of mailboxes, which was clearly done to suppress the minority vote uh, or Democrat vote in various precincts. All of that leading to the 2020 election. And then, of course, none of that happened. Then we have Mark Elias and a phalanx of slip-and-fall ambulance-chasing lawyers who are spread out throughout the country, particularly in these battleground states, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Georgia, Arizona, and others, changing the election laws by bringing lawsuits in friendly forums or encouraging Democrat governors and Democrat secretaries of state to unilaterally change the laws. And so this issue is now in front of the Supreme Court where the, where the Constitution says in black and white in plain English that even Joe Scarborough could read it that the state legislature will determine the election laws. Although we do have a reprobate at National Review says if you're really originalist you don't believe that. Well that just shows you how far they've uh, fallen off the, uh, off the tuna boat not even legitimate. And now, of course, Donald Trump questions what took place in 2020 with all the litigation. They don't talk about the Democrat Party litigation. They talk about other litigation that happened afterwards. And why is that? Why don't the media remind us of how they raise questions about voting machines? Why don't the media remind us about how they raise questions, they and the Democrats, about mailboxes? Why don't they tell us that? Now you're an election denier. Amazing, isn't it? Well, there's more. 
Oh, yes, there's more. It's almost too fun to do this, but it's depressing at the same time. November 9, 2004, America. ABC News. There were minor voting irregularities on Election Day. This is 2004. Long lines, voting machine breakdowns, shortages of provisional ballots. But some people are now leveling charges of voter fraud. Who did that? Democrats. Doug Chapin, a nonpartisan election analyst, finds the claims to be baseless. There were no problems that would lead me to believe that there were stolen elections or widespread fraud, he said. There was no overwhelming reason to cast doubt on the outcome of this election, second a Democrat strategist Donna Brazil, campaign manager of Al Gore's 2000 campaign. Look at how she's, George Bush got more votes this time. Nevertheless, many people have devised various theories, including stories of voters in largely Democratic counties in Florida, whose votes were changed for Bush. Phantom votes in Ohio exit polls showing John Kerry in the lead that were truer than the final tally. Off the record, many Democratic strategists dismiss such allegations, but they also know such resentment can be channeled for political use in the future. Based at least in part on these conspiracy theories, three Democratic congressmen have written a letter to the U.S. Government Accountability Office. We're requesting an investigation into all the allegations of irregularities with respect to the electronic and other voting machines so that people can have confidence in the result of this election and so that any weaknesses are changed before the next election. Who wrote that, Mr. Producer? Gerald Nadler. The congressman's letter mentions the website UsTogether.org, which questions why so many counties in Florida that had more registered Democrats and Republicans ended up voting for Bush. The website implies someone fixed the results. In regard to Lafayette County, one of the counties in question, it's true. There are far more registered Democrats in that county than Republicans. And that the county elected Bush in this year's election, but the county elected Bush in last year's election. Four years before that, the Republican presidential candidate, Bob Dole, won in the county. Representative Kendrick Meek, the co-chair of the Kerry campaign in Florida, says he knows why Bush was reelected. It has nothing to do with fraud. We did a good job, but the other side did better. The counties in question used OptiScan ballots, which was not the voting method people worried about before the election. Unlike electronic voting, the ballots have a paper trail. Unlike punch card ballots, they can be counted and used easily. At the battleground state of Ohio, where conspiracy theories abound among Democrats, a website for Cuyahoga County seemed to show more votes than voters in some precincts. The county's website was confusing, but it didn't show that. This afternoon, the website that first raised the questions about that county, took it all back. But as we know all now, now all know, the exit polls were off a bit. They go on. And it goes on. Conspiracy theories in 2004. The voting machines, but there weren't. They used optics. Then the voting machines come up again. I wonder how many of these Democrats and news organizations were sued by these voting machine companies, Mr. Producer. I don't think many. I don't think many. So as you can see, America, the charges of illegitimate elections, illegitimate presidents, the effort to get up on the floor of the joint session of Congress to stop a president from being 
voted on. It's all Democrats started the whole thing. 2000, 2004, and 2016. And they're still at it. Some of what you heard comes from just months ago with Hillary Clinton, with Carter, with Biden, with Obama, with Gore, with McAuliffe, with news outlets everywhere, handing each other Pulitzer Prizes for reporting on a lie. But the real election deniers undermining democracy, ladies and gentlemen. It's mega, super, mega, mega, mega. And not only that, Fox News. And not only that, conservatives everywhere. Unless they're never Trumpers, of course, and we love them. That's right. And who brought all these lawsuits? Mark Elias and his fellow slip-and-fall lawyers. And they're still bringing them. And then we have the weak underbelly of the conservative movement and Republicans and so forth over at National View and elsewhere. Well, just because the Constitution says that the legislatures, specifically the framers picked the legislatures, that's not originalism. I've explained this a thousand times, but even for mental lightweights, let me continue. Where is judicial review in the Constitution? Nowhere. Where's the power that the Supreme Court and these other courts exercise in the Constitution? Nowhere. Where's the power? Nowhere. Nowhere. The district courts, the appellate courts are all created by Congress. Their jurisdictions created by Congress. The Supreme Court's given very limited authority. That's why nobody wanted to serve on it when... Washington was first making his appointments. The power was in the states, in the state courts, particularly the state legislatures. Nobody really wanted to serve in Congress either. So judicial review is an implied power at best. So when you have courts changing election laws that affect the outcome of a presidential election, that's a big deal. And when you have pseudo-conservatives saying that's okay, what do you expect the legislature to make those decisions? Yes, we do. And when you have slip-and-fall ambulance-chasing lawyers like Mark Elias, who makes millions of dollars going into states and getting judges and secretaries of states and governors to change the election laws that the state legislatures have put in place, I seriously doubt the framers of the Constitution thought that would be a good idea. So you understand what I'm talking about. But the, the election deniers are the Republicans, ladies and gentlemen. It's the Republicans. No, it's not. And Donald Trump has every right to raise questions about that election. I would discourage him from doing it much more, because if he wants to be the nominee and he wants to be president, people are a little worn out from it, but that said, that's my opinion. But the fact that he raises questions about it. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. As the Democrats do and have and continue to do about past elections. That's the truth. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, our great nation was founded on the principle of all men are created equal. 
but far too many of our nation's colleges and universities, including those in the so-called Ivy League, continue to insist on using race as a factor for admissions. And the Supreme Court is deciding a case on this subject right now. But there's a unique American college that doesn't discriminate based on race. It never has, and it never will. And it's my favorite college, Hillsdale College. Hillsdale was founded in 1844 to educate, quote, all persons, irrespective of nationality, color, or sex, unquote. It continues that policy today, admitting students on the strength of their character, ability, and intentions, not their heritage or background. My friend Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College, recently published an article explaining Hillsdale's colorblind policies and its related refusal of government funding, even indirectly in the form of federal student aid. Read it for yourself at levinforhillsdale.com. And after you read it, you may even want to support Hillsdale with a year-end gift. So please go read Dr. Arn's article today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. The Democrat Party has managed in many respects to destroy our electoral system. We have voting that's still going on in Alaska. We have counties that have raised significant issues and problems in Arizona. Um, We have curing ballots, which means if Democrats can't figure out how to sign their name and date a ballot... They get called and contacted, or they're told they have a week after the election to fix it. You have harvesting going out, where uh, activists go out door to door, go to nursing homes and apartment buildings to collect the votes that they think they need that haven't been cast yet. There's nobody overseeing it when they do it, so nobody knows if fraud is being committed or not, which is... The problem with bringing lawsuits, you see, you have to prove a negative. Well, this guy went to an apartment building and came back with 1,200 votes for Ernie Grabowski. Well, can you prove he committed fraud? Well, how the hell am I supposed to prove? That's why you need a system with election judges, with signatures, with dates, with places. You can't just send activists out to get stuff. So this is what I mean by the institutionalization of fraud. And this is the way Bill Barr should have explained it when people came to him, but apparently he didn't want to. Or when you have activist lawyers going into states and changing election laws in violation of the federal constitution, that is institutionalized fraud. It's another way to explain it. Uh, Curing ballots. Uh, What does that mean? So this is a huge problem. The voting system has been poisoned by the Democrat Party. And then they go around talking about voting suppression and repression. Of course, they have no evidence for that. They haven't had a successful law firm showing voting lawsuits showing voter suppression or repression, which is really quite absurd, particularly in their communities, which are controlled by their election officials. They decide where the precincts are going to be. As in Georgia, when they kept yelling voter suppression... The answer was, because I looked up the law, well, then blame your Democrat precinct workers and ward leaders and your Democrat mayor and city council, because they made the final decisions. So we have all these lies being spread by the Democrats, the deniers, the election destroyers, the voting system destroyers. The Republicans haven't pushed for any of this. They want people to show up and vote unless they can demonstrate that they can't. And they wanted to demonstrate who they are. 
with voter ID. And every step of the way, it is slammed down, including by the courts, because of the activists. On the next hour, I want to tell you a little bit about a decision. Yes, we do this show a little differently. That's why it's lasted two decades at the top of the heap. This is a decision called McDonald versus United States. It's the former Republican governor of Virginia who was hugely popular. And then the U.S. Attorney's Office went after him. Specifically, then, the Public Integrity Section of the Criminal Division of the Department of Justice went after him. And the man who headed it is Jack Smith, who is now the special prosecutor who's going to investigate Donald Trump. And so completely out of control was this man that he... Unanimous Supreme Court 9-0 to vacated and remanded a jury trial that found McDonald guilty because the law that was used was abused. And so ask yourselves, why would this man come to the attention of the Biden Justice Department? Why would this man come to the attention of the Attorney General, the Deputy Attorney General, as the right guy to appoint to head a special investigation of Donald Trump? Because he's a hitman. His wife is a huge lib, did a documentary on Michelle Obama, gave thousands of dollars to the Biden campaign. Media is perfectly fine with it. He's one of their guys. And I want to talk about this a little bit further in the next hour. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811-877-381-3811. The uh, Supreme Court today, without opinion, without opining, under John Roberts, um, has ordered that President Trump's last six years of his tax returns are to be presented to the House of Representatives. Now, this is really an extraordinary ruling. To what ends will the House of Representatives, under the Democrats still, use President Trump's tax returns? For political ends. They will leak them. They will try and trigger further criminal investigations. They will bring on phony experts on TV to say this is a violation, that's this, that's that. And it's never-ending. And the Supreme Court ordered this. There's a silver lining, not for President Trump, but for the Republicans on Capitol Hill. And I'm telling you, I'm going to hold their feet to the fire. This is no joke here. We're not patsies here. The only thing we are special pleaders for is liberty and the truth. You're going to investigate the Biden family? The House Judiciary Committee? The House Oversight Committee? then you need to see the tax returns 
of every Biden family matter uh, member who is in the Biden crime family. Hunter Biden's tax returns, James Biden's tax returns, the rest of the extended family, and Joe Biden's tax returns. Now, I understand being a sitting president and an ex-president raises different constitutional issues. That said, the prior Treasury Department refused to release Donald Trump's tax returns. When Biden came in, he waived it and said, go ahead, release them. Now, there are compelling arguments that can be made. I don't like where we are with this, but the Democrats and the courts have brought us to this point. Surely it's more important to know, for Congress to know, given its oversight responsibilities, surely it's more important for Congress to know how the tax code is being used, this is their argument, by a sitting president than an ex-president. By a sitting president than an ex-president. It's more relevant to separation of powers. Donald Trump isn't even in that equation anymore as an ex-president. And you should be concerned that now if private citizens can have their tax returns turned over to Congress, nobody's safe. Nobody. Including you. Including you. That's what the Supreme Court did today. Because the, the pretext that the Democrats in Congress have been using is we want to make sure our tax code is being used properly, it's not being abused, in case we need to make any legislative fixes, you see. Now that is preposterous. So they played this whole game in Washington, D.C. The courts, the Democrats in Congress, the Supreme Court. And part of this is because they've tried to make Trump so persona non grata generally that anything goes now. Anything. Anything. Can raid his home, can accuse him of this, can get, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Again, I'm talking as a lawyer here, okay? I'm talking as a constitutionalist. Not as somebody endorsing this, that, or the other candidate. So stick with me. You know this. You're in the audience. So now tax returns are fair game. Your tax returns are fair game to hand a political hacks of the opposite party in Congress? Because now Trump's tax returns are fair game. If they can get Trump's, they can get yours. Well, he's an ex-president. He's a private citizen. Period. Just remember, Congress does not have authority to conduct criminal investigations. So these are legislative oversight, which is why the whole thing makes no sense. Legislative oversight of what? An ex-president? Now that argument makes a lot more sense. I don't like where we are. But that argument makes a lot more sense if the Republicans on the House Judiciary Committee, when they take control, if the Republicans on the House Oversight Committee, when they take control, now say, okay, we have a legislative purpose. We want to know if Joe Biden is a crook. We want to know if Joe Biden took money from foreign governments, not just in violation of law, but if it's affecting our national security, if it's affecting our intelligence agencies, if it's affecting our diplomacy, 
He's the sitting president. The ex-president doesn't have any power. The sitting president has all the power. We need to see it. This guy was paid off. Well, Mark, he released his tax returns. No, he didn't. He didn't release all of his tax returns. He's got he's set up S corporations. They haven't released those tax returns. Why? Good question. So now everything's on the table. You've got to use the precedent set by the Democrats in the D.C. court system, by John Roberts on the Supreme Court, by the Democrats in the House of Representatives. You now have a massive open field to conduct your investigations. No more attorney-client privilege. No more attorney work product. No more confidentiality. No more, oh, they're private citizens. There's no legislative oversight. The Supreme Court just handed it to you. Now, you Republicans, you get the tax returns for Joe Biden, James Biden, Hunter Biden, and every other damn Biden who's on the take. Every damn one of them. You get their tax returns because now you have a right to get them. And while you're at it, you want all of Joe Biden's records with his private attorneys, with his private attorneys. You want all of Joe Biden's records with his tax attorneys. You want all of Joe Biden's records with his personal accountants. You want it all. Just to make sure the Internal Revenue Code, ladies and gentlemen, isn't being abused and it's working properly. That's all. That's all. And if you do anything less, you're useless. Of course, the Democrat Party media and the Democrats are saying, now they want to investigate. You know what, folks? They can shut the hell up. We don't give a damn what they report, what they say, their dumbass Sunday shows or anything. We don't care. You got two years in the House to get to the bottom of this. Election victory or no election victory. You have two years to get to the bottom of this. Determining whether the man in the Oval Office is a Manchurian president. Determining whether he's a crook is an important role. One of the most important roles for oversight. And we don't expect Mitch McConnell to lift a finger. 40-yard line, what a 40 Shut up, you idiot, marble mouth. You're a clown. Everyone knows you're a clown. Except the 36 morons who vote for you. But that's very important. Now, I want to talk about this special counsel. What happened here in this case several years ago about the Republican governor, Bob McDonald, who had a hell of a political career ahead of him? Bob McDonald took a lot of gifts. Mostly his wife did, too. At the time, that was not illegal in the state of Virginia. Was it wise? No. Did he commit a federal offense? That's the issue. The public integrity section of the criminal division of the United States Department of Justice was headed by this guy, Jack Smith. 
Jack Smith's wife has done a documentary on Hillary, on, excuse me, Michelle Obama, and has donated heavily to the Biden campaign. So these are radical Democrats, very, very partisan. You can assume this U.S. attorney or this head of the public integrity section is the same. So what happened? Well, there's a definition in federal law in terms of bribes, official bribes. There's a definition for it in the bribery statutes and the interpretation of it. Basically, it's an official act. An official act done on behalf of somebody as a result of receiving a gift, a quid pro quo. There was no evidence whatsoever that Governor McDonald had done an official act for anybody. That there was any quid pro quo. But that didn't stop Jack Smith, the new special counsel investigating Trump, from expanding it. From expanding the definition of official act beyond what the statutory definition on the face of it provided. So Jack Smith said, okay, but he had his people set up meetings for some of these people who gave him gifts. He had some people set up meetings. Or he allowed them to attend some public events. Attend public events. And that is an official act. That is a quid pro quo. And the Supreme Court concluded unanimously it was 8-0. to zero. There were only eight members on. And this would include Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Justice Scalia and Justice Thomas and Breyer. And, of course, the Chief Justice wrote the opinion. And they said, that's not what the statute says. That's not what the statute is intended to say. The prosecution here overextended itself and interpreted the statute in a way that virtually any conduct would be a criminal offense under the federal bribery statute. And so this broad interpretation of bribery would result in an awful lot of people being charged with federal bribery crimes. And that's not how our system works. You need to be able to lobby people. You need to be able to encourage people to support or oppose legislation on your behalf. Or you need to be able to approach a governor about his bureaucracy that you think is unfair and so forth and so on. But if the governor doesn't act in an affirmative way to deliver something of substance to somebody who gives him a gift, then it can't be bribery. It can't be bribery or every constituent meeting where something exchanges hands in the state it was legal in Virginia becomes bribery. The court ruled eight to zero unanimously. McDonald had been convicted by a jury in Northern Virginia because the federal district judge gave out the wrong instructions at the urging of the prosecutor who was Jack Smith. 
And this, of course, destroyed Bob McDonald's political career. Forever. And, of course, the left and the media jumped on this and said, among other things, Bob McDonald could never run for president. Because he was actually convicted of a crime, even though it was overturned. Because they're slime balls. Of course, that's preposterous, but nonetheless. And I don't know what's happened to Bob McDonald since. He had a landslide election and brought in everybody under him. Ken Cuccinelli was attorney general. He won. Lieutenant governor won. Republicans controlled three of the statewide offices. Not to happen again until last year with Glenn Youngkin. So that's what happened. And the special counsel was Jack Smith. So here's my question for you. You're the Attorney General of the United States. You say, I'm going to appoint a special counsel under federal law, under, under federal, excuse me, Department of Justice regulations that have been federalized under statute. And the reason I'm going to do this is because it doesn't look good if we here at the Department of Justice continue with this case. And he picks this guy, Jack Smith. He can pick from a million lawyers. There's over a million lawyers in this country. And God knows how many former federal prosecutors. They're everywhere on TV. You've seen them. Some dumber than the rest. But that said, he could have literally picked a person who was above reproach, who had sound prosecutorial judgment. But he picks this guy who lost in a Supreme Court case 8-0 to zero because he abused his statutory authority and the interpretation of the statute to take out a, a promising potential presidential candidate. And you're the Attorney General of the United States. And despite the fact that this guy has this scarlet letter on his forehead... You know he's a liberal. You know he went out of his way to take out a Republican governor. And you further know that um, his wife is a big liberal. What kind of a special counsel appointment is this, America? It's grotesque. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. There's literally no reason to pay Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile over $80 a month for wireless when you can get the same service on the same network at Pure Talk for half the price. Yep, talk, text, and blazing fast data, just 30 bucks a month. Those other guys are making you pay for thousands of retail stores you don't go into, perks you don't use, and massive profits to keep their shareholders happy. You know who Pure Talk wants to keep happy? Their customer, you. That's why they've invested in a U.S.-based customer service team. It's why they give you more data options than unlimited, because they won't charge you for data you don't need. I switched to Pure Talk because I like supporting a company owned by a U.S. veteran. I like supporting a company who supports me and my values. And I invite you to switch to pure talk to they're my guys switch to pure talk in less than 10 minutes 
Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L E V I N Podcast to save 50% off your first month. Again, puretalk.com, and enter promo code Levin Podcast. I guess the question for me is this When you appoint a special counsel and the situation creates the appearance of a conflict of interest for the department. Shouldn't that raise serious questions in the legal community? Shouldn't that raise serious questions in the media? The corrupt media, of course not. But shouldn't that raise serious questions among Republicans? That this guy has no judgment whatsoever? And that's exactly why he was chosen? Doesn't that make sense? It's not really a special, special counsel if he's just another hitman for the Democrat Party with a very poor record when it comes to the McConnell case, McDonald case. And what's interesting to me is when they put out their statement and when the attorney general introduced that they were going to have a special counsel and the media talked about it, nowhere in his resume is this humiliating defeat 8-0 to unanimous by the Supreme Court. Nowhere. Nowhere. I'll be right back. There's literally no reason to pay Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile over $80 a month for wireless when you can get the same service on the same network at Pure Talk for half the price. Yep, talk, text, and blazing fast data, just 30 bucks a month. Those other guys are making you pay for thousands of retail stores you don't go into, perks you don't use, and massive profits to keep their shareholders happy. You know who Pure Talk wants to keep happy? Their customer, you. That's why they've invested in a U.S.-based customer service team. It's why they give you more data options than unlimited, because they won't charge you for data you don't need. I switched to Pure Talk because I like supporting a company owned by a U.S. veteran. I like supporting a company who supports me and my values. And I invite you to switch to pure talk too they're my guys switch to pure talk in less than 10 minutes go to puretalk.com and our promo code levin podcast that's l-e-v-i-n podcast to save 50% off your first month again puretalk.com and enter promo code levin podcast this is the first time in modern history that an attorney general has appointed a special counsel to investigate a candidate who has announced a run for the presidency in the opposite party of his boss who has all but announced that he wants to run for president. Can you imagine the precedent this creates, Mr. Producer? So all during his efforts to become the Republican nominee, whomever you support, it's not the issue. The other party, which has the presidency in the Department of Justice, has just unleashed a special counsel with all the baggage that I mentioned to investigate that candidate. I want you to think about that. It gets worse. Simultaneously, that attorney general who works for that president, Biden, refuses to appoint a special counsel to investigate the sitting president's son. even though there's clearly an appearance of a conflict of interest 
he will not appoint a special counsel, which should have been done two years ago, to investigate Hunter Biden. Now, why is that? Just for looks? No. Because all roads go to Big Daddy. Go to Mr. 10%. Go to the big guy. All roads lead to Joe Biden. And a really hotshot prosecutor, special counsel, is not going to ignore the fact that he's got at least one and more witnesses. Look at Bob Alinsky. That he's got a storage facility full of emails and texts. And a thousand witnesses, bank records, wire transfers. They have none of this on Trump. So what Merrick Garland is trying to do, and the entire Washington, D.C., Democrat, media, rhino, never-Trumper establishment's trying to do, is protect Joe Biden. Because they know once that veil is pierced, he's a political dead man walking. I truly believe this. I believe he's corrupt up to his eyeballs. And that Hunter Biden's the fall guy for the family. But ask yourselves, how is it possible that there's not a special counsel to investigate Hunter Biden? And there's only one answer. To protect Joe. They don't want a a tough prosecutor focused 100% on the Biden crime family. Because there's going to be a lot of questions asked. And at the end, he has to put out a report, regardless of who's charged. They don't want that hanging over Joe Biden, but they do want a special counsel with his baggage, who's disreputable. They want that hanging over Trump. That's the truth. It's just like... This Department of Justice intervenes for a Marxist lawyer in New York City who threw a Molotov cocktail into a police car, not knowing whether there were police there or not, talking about burning down the place, all the texts, all the information about what she was doing, violent, 15 months at the request of the Department of Justice, down from 10 years. And then some poor schlub, he steals the coat rack out of Nancy Pelosi's office, and he gets three years. How come he didn't get 15 months? Or six months? He gets 15 years. Because of a Democrat district court judge in Washington, we're going to show these never try. We're going to show these... Uh, Mega, super, mega, mega, mega guys. Oh, yeah. And in New York, oh, she's just a social justice warrior. What kind of equality under the law is this? There is none. There's none. It's utterly and completely out of control. We have to hope the Republicans in the House are going to do something to get to the bottom of some of this. They can't fix it because it's in the executive branch. They can't fix how these decisions are made, but they can expose them. And expose them they must. They must.
So when you hear some yet-to-be-sworn-in congressman, soon-to-be, from New York, I think his name is Santos, uh, we were sent to Washington, you know, to work on inflation. Well, what are you going to do? Work on it? Well, what do you mean you're going to work on it? What are you going to do? Is he going to vote against increasing the debt ceiling? I bet he doesn't. That's the next big battle, America. They say they want to deal with inflation. Watch what the Wall Street Journal editorial page says. They're going to be right behind McConnell, lying about the full faith and credit clause of the United States. Because they represent Wall Street. It's the Wall Street Journal. It's not the smart economics journal. It's the Wall Street Journal. And, of course, I'm waiting for the New York Post to report about the special counsel. It's all out there, boys. And where is the special counsel for Hunter Biden? Come on, boys. Get back in the lane. Get back in the lane. I know, I know. You're on a hate. You're on a hate routine now. You know. Tighten your belts and let's go, boys. Nah, screw them. Where are we? There's still no end in sight for rising prices. That makes me even more thankful than ever that I called CarShield when I did. It's not too late, you know. Their price will never go up, so I don't have to worry about much repairs, how much they're going to cost. When my car breaks down, it's amazing. CarShield, and by the way, they carry you through the whole process. So all the stress is gone. It's very important. They offer protection plans for around 100 bucks a month that cover more parts than ever before, whether your car is 5,000 or 150,000 miles. Every protection plan includes coast-to-coast roadside assistance, courtesy towing, and rental car options at no extra cost. Now's as good a time as ever, or as any, to mention this. I uh, have become close to lostdogrescue.org. Uh, we're going to put this up on our platforms, our social platforms. It is the no-kill shelter from where we adopted Barney, who I miss every day, and our Marty. And Marty is quite sick right now. He has lymphoma. Uh, He's being treated. And uh, he's comfortable. But, of course, it's very uh, stressful and numbing on the family. And both of these precious dogs came from LostDogRescue.org. And I know many of you have no-kill shelters in your communities. And now more than ever, they're a little bit overwhelmed with the number of dogs and cats that that they take in. Now, many of you are like me. I'll just be honest. I like dogs more than I like most people. Is that weird, Mr. Producer? And they are part of the family. And you do get, I do get, depressed. Not necessarily uh, technically, but very, very down over a long period of time when I lose one of our dogs. Or when they become sick. Don't always talk about it. 
around the family, but it's true. And so we set up a fund at lostdogrescue.org, particularly for the older dogs or the dogs that need special medical care because they're the ones that go the first. And I just figured, as we had adopted two older dogs once, one lasted 24 months, one lasted four years, that I would focus on that. And don't get me wrong, they all need to be focused on. But this was a little area that I didn't feel was getting enough resources. If you don't have a local no-kill shelter or not sure where to donate, I hope you'll take a look at lostdogrescue.org. Our fund starts with Pepsi, Griffey, Spritey, and Barney. But give to any of their their activities. Perfectly fine by me. And if you have a local no-kill shelter, if you don't know of one, you can look it up. Or if you know of one, I would just ask. Any amount of money is a precious gift. It's a blessing to these people. The vast majority of them are volunteers. They have some permanent staff, but they have an enormous number of volunteers. People just working their butts off to save as many dogs and cats as they possibly can. And as I speak, they're doing it right now. And they're going to do it through and on Thanksgiving. Through and on Christmas. Through and on Hanukkah. So if you're able to, able to. If you can't, you can't. But if you're able to, this would be, I think, very important. Lostdogrescue.org or any local no-kill shelter. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. There's literally no reason to pay Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile over $80 a month for wireless when you can get the same service on the same network at Pure Talk for half the price. Yep, talk, text, and blazing fast data, just 30 bucks a month. Those other guys are making you pay for thousands of retail stores you don't go into, perks you don't use, and massive profits to keep their shareholders happy. You know who Pure Talk wants to keep happy? Their customer, you. That's why they've invested in a U.S.-based customer service team. It's why they give you more data options than unlimited, because they won't charge you for data you don't need. I switched to Pure Talk because I like supporting a company owned by a U.S. veteran. I like supporting a company who supports me and my values. And I invite you to switch to pure talk too they're my guys switch to pure talk in less than 10 minutes go to puretalk.com and our promo code levin podcast that's l-e-v-i-n podcast to save 50 percent off your first month again puretalk.com and enter promo code levin podcast you do have to ask yourselves the question ladies and gentlemen how is it that hillary clinton was not charged with anything there didn't, there wasn't subjected to a special counsel investigation, and she is not and was not a former president. How is that possible? And I would just tell my friend Mark Short, you're on CNN bouncing around. That's the answer. We have precedent for not charging top officials with crimes related to documents. And unlike Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump's a former president. That's how you answer that question when you're pressed by CNN. And I don't even know why you're on CNN. They have 12 viewers, and they're all hostile. 
and half the viewers are family members of the hosts, who are all hostile. And as for your thought that it's the lawyers who can be charged with crimes, so lawyers give their opinions and they can be charged with crimes? In a unique area of constitutional law that's not even settled? Really? That's not a great answer either. You're going to have to do better than that or you're going to be hurting your principal. A man I happen to like. Mike Pence. And in the next hour, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you something that's going on with a government that's being newly organized with one of our greatest allies and lessons that can be learned from the Republicans in the House and the Senate. Lessons that can be learned. They've already been taught by Ron DeSantis and others. Affirmative steps you take when you're in power to have the courage to act. Not the Chris Christie's and the Larry Hogue. Forget about those people. They're useless. They're irrelevant. Leaders, statesmen, who help move a country in the proper direction. And one of the ideas they came up with comes straight out of my book, Men in Black, Mr. Producer. Which we'll get to. It's easy to get wrapped up in inflation and these higher prices. Now, obviously, my Life, Liberty, and Levin show this Sunday was a rerun of the fantastic Benjamin Netanyahu interview, and not because of me, but because of him and his book, BB My Story. And the reason is, I had COVID and I couldn't shoot a TV show with people around me. Uh, I can do this radio show without people around me. Mr. Producer's in New York. I'm in other places. Mr. Call Screener's in another location. So the three of us are actually separated. Kind of like McDonald's when you go in with them. No, we're actually in different locations. But you can't do that with TV. Uh, You need a couple of people who are absolutely essential. And I have a couple of those. And it's very, very important that they stay healthy. And, of course, this Sunday is Thanksgiving Sunday, so we will be offering you a special Thanksgiving show with some of the best of interviews I did with some tremendous authors. And I know you're going to love it. And then after that, I'm back live with a brand-new, fresh show, and we'll continue doing that. We have uh, I've signed a new four-year deal with Fox to do the program. So come February, you can add four years to that. We've signed our new three-year deal with the Blaze, which begins on January 1, so we're not going anywhere. We've signed our deal with Simon & Schuster, which is a very important project that I'm working on. And you never know. Radio comes up next year. We'll see how things go. And so that's the situation, Mr. Producer. Mr. Producer's nervous. He says, oh, my God. Don't worry. You're with me no matter what. Don't sweat it, baby. And uh, But next, I want to go through. This is actually quite fascinating. It's fascinating. And again, it shows what you can do when you're in power. You need to act. Again, like DeSantis acted. And he not only acted on issues that he promised to act on, but as he saw issues arising as governor, he jumped on those, too. And he tried to look in the future. He was seeing what was happening in other states. Tougher law and order laws. Laws against wokeism in the classroom. 
and sexuality in the classroom, which a federal judge appointed by Obama has now attacked, but I'm sure they'll appeal that and fight that, and on and on and on. That's what a leader does. And, of course, he's utterly changed his state politically and completely. So you have an important model there, very important model there. But I want to show you one that's taking place now with an ally. We'll be right back. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in America with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, much, much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. My wife Julie and I decided it was time to add more flowering trees to our landscape, and Fast Growing Tree was a great resource for us. A large selection and no hassle ordering or shipping. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on selected plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEVIN at checkout. L-E-V-I-N. Now that's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using code LEVIN at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code L-E-V-I-N. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Please visit FastGrowingTrees.com for details. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to ask you a question. Did you know withdrawing your cash from the bank can be very risky? That's right. Banks are now required to spy on us for the government and they report any behavior they think is suspicious. It's true, and I was shocked when I read the secret war on cash from Swiss America. The new war against cash is really a war against the Constitution, against all freedom-loving Americans. So, you need to read The War on Cash. Get your free copy by calling 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. Now, this war on cash is growing daily and also includes all forms of digital money. Please get and read The Secret War on Cash free to my listeners by calling now, 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from, from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Now... The problem with having somebody like Mitch McConnell as the so-called leader of the Republican Party in the Senate is you can't get anything done. That is, you can't move in an affirmative direction to advance the cause of liberty, limited government, private property rights, and so forth. You just can't. Because in order to do that, you have to take on these American Marxist forces. And he's not willing to do that. He's willing to meet them on the 40-yard line which means we lose more and more of our liberty under a man like Mitch McConnell and the 36 other Republicans who voted for him. 
it is a, 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 a an essentially crazy process that we find ourselves in. And it's very difficult. Now in Israel, they have their parliamentary system. It's a crazy system. Netanyahu says it's a crazy system, and he's right. So you have to cobble together all these parties, the largest of which is Likud. It would be much like the Republican Party, but more conservative. And there are religious parties and other parties that have sort of niche issues that they're concerned about, but it doesn't matter. So you need to get 61 out of 120 Knesset seats. And they got 64, which is considered, in modern day terms, a landslide, believe it or not. So now Netanyahu, who is the putative prime minister, they're having to cobble together the parties and determine who gets what position in the government. But Likud just put out a list of their priorities. Now, all of them don't matter to us, but some of them are very informative. Because Benjamin Netanyahu has been, for years, frustrated by a very activist political judiciary, which, like here, is unelected, and continues to stymie a liberty-oriented, a capitalism-oriented agenda. You know that line, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely? Well, imagine these lifetime-appointed judges and bureaucrats. It applies to them, too. It applies to the Supreme Court. It applies to the judges in Washington, D.C. It applies to these effectively lifetime prosecutors in Washington, D.C., they're flesh and blood, and they're corrupted. And they know they are, but they have power. And in the case of a federal judge, at least in their courtroom, they have absolute power. Look at this guy Sullivan in Washington, D.C. He just threw out an entire, an entire procedure on that, that Act 42 and created a nightmare, a disaster for the entire United States. This guy Emmett Sullivan. Just a schmuck. This guy in a black robe, appointed by Clinton, thinks he owns the town, thinks he owns the country. And he put a stay on it for five weeks saying he reluctantly did that. He doesn't live on a border town. He's not confronted with what everyday Americans are confronted, particularly in the borders and in the heavy areas where illegal immigrants are coming across. He doesn't own a ranch on the border. He doesn't give a damn. Power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. This is the guy in the uh, General Flynn case where the Department of Justice was trying to withdraw and he wouldn't let them. Then he brings in a hack leftist to give his opinion, give him his opinion, and basically to represent the court. Nobody's ever seen anything like that before. Doesn't matter. There he is. He'll be there till the day he dies if he wants to. Well, let me tell you what's going on in Israel. And this is a, 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 something we can learn. Releasing, and by the way, this, this uh, Israeli newspaper is not happy about it, Times of Israel. 
just as the media in our country, any effort by a conservative, whether it's Reagan or Trump or whether it's a DeSantis, they're going to attack. They're going to fight. Releasing a partial but sweeping list of policy points it plans to push in the next government. And notice McConnell still hasn't released a list of what he wants to do, <coughs> except meet the Democrats on the 40-yard line. He's an idiot. The Likud party reaffirmed its determination to reform the judicial system <coughs> and give politicians more power, as well as to support Jewish settlements in the Western Bank. That would be Judea and Samaria, the homeland of the Jews, and advance at least two key measures it torpedoed in the last Knesset session. Now, the list of coalition demands shed light on the party's likely legislative agenda. Though the parties generally share the same ideological outlook, that's this coalition. They have wrangled over ministry appointments. In a written list of some of its own demands released tonight, Likud wrote it plans to convert certain key bureaucratic posts to positions of trust, meaning they will be able to be appointed or removed at will by politicians. (coughs) According to Channel 12 News, the far-reaching move will include the ministry's legal advisors and key civil servants whose opinions bind ministry management and who are currently subordinate to the Attorney General. They have a big problem over there. They have these legal advisors that work in each ministry. They're civil servants. So if one of these new ministers brought in through the election is not happy with the legal advisor, the advice they're getting, he can't remove them. She can't remove them. They have to go to the Attorney General who prides herself on being independent of the government, even though she's part of the government, to get permission to remove them. So you have these legal advisors who are obstructing and sabotaging these decisions that are made, particularly by conservative governments, with the backing of the so-called independent attorney general. So Likud says, that's enough of that. We're going to eliminate that. These legal advisors are going to be political appointees answerable to the ministers. Makes sense. Otherwise, how do you affect reform or change in a government? The proposal is part of a wider plan by Netanyahu's nascent government to impose political control in areas heretofore held by the judiciary, which critics say will remove an essential check on executive power. But who's going to remove an, an overly abusive check by the judiciary? And that's where they're at. The judiciary is controlling everything. Now, one of the other things they want to do, and by the way, the media says, the controversial effort to shift power away from unelected civil servants into the hands of the government, isn't it called representative government, we the people? Also includes plans to pass an override clause, listen to this, enabling the Knesset to re-enact laws struck down by the Supreme Court. Okay, listen to me. I know where they got this from. You know where they got this from, Mr. Producer? The Liberty Amendments. And I'll tell you how I know, because I know that individuals over there are looking at some of my books, Men in Black and the Liberty Amendments. Under the Liberty Amendments, and I don't know what they're going to do over there, I'm just telling you, under the Liberty Amendments, 
I was trying to figure out a way to rein in a Supreme Court that's just way out of line, which it can be. Without electing justices, we don't like that. We're not into pure democracy. And without having various plebiscites and that sort of thing. And I said, well, the representatives of the people. And so what I have in the Liberty Amendments, which I think is crucially important for our country, is within 24 months of a Supreme Court decision, or they could wind it to any court decision as far as I'm concerned. Within 24 months of that decision, just so you have some predictability, some constant, so they have to act at some point. Three-fifths of both houses of Congress can hold null and void a Supreme Court decision. Not rewrite it. Not amend it. But reject it. Three-fifths. That's a big, you know, supermajority. It's not an impossible supermajority like two-thirds or three-fourths. So it has to be something where the body politic is really quite disturbed including both parties, will what the Supreme Court has done. But I go beyond that. Why? Because I don't really trust Congress either. And I said, or three-fifths of the state legislatures. Notice National Review, I didn't say the state governments, the state legislatures, just like the framers said. So three-fifths of the state legislatures decide that the Supreme Court went too far they have to cobble together their votes a majority of every state legislature or I should say three fifths of the state legislatures (coughs) excuse me that cholera is really acting up I don't have a cough button so (coughs) damn thing still lingering but anyway So what does that incorporate? First of all, it recognizes the uh, out-of-constitutional power, I should say, the extra-constitutional authority being exercised by federal courts. Look at Marbury versus Madison. Yeah, that's a Supreme Court decision that decided uh, how they were going to uh, rule. That's fine. Or what they could rule on. I don't happen to agree with that decision. I'm in a minority, but nonetheless, it is what it is. And today, it's completely out of control. Anywhere the courts want to roam, the courts get to roam. There's not a thing that goes on in our culture that the Supreme Court hasn't ruled on. Not a thing. Because they think you're too stupid to make decisions in your own communities and states. So we need... Nine justices, really five out of the nine, to tell us what to think and how to behave. There are certain circumstances where that might make sense, but not every single one. Not every single one. If a state wants a death penalty, why does the court keep micromanaging that? Why? But there's a lot of issues. The court has a legitimate basis. I got it. But the court often... Rome's, like a legislative body, like a body that's constantly rewriting the Constitution, and all of a sudden it's a five-to-four decision, and fundamental rights are created or denied. It's really remarkable. But let's go on. 
So the solution I came up with, which I think is the solution, is, at least in our system, three-fifths of the state legislatures, or three-fifths of all members of both houses of Congress, vote within 24 months. That's how you deal with it. I also believe in term limits for judges. I wrote about that in Men in Black. This guy Emmett Sullivan shouldn't be on the bench anymore. There are people currently on the bench who have demonstrated they shouldn't be on the bench either. But they have lifetime appointments and nobody's going to be impeached. That was tried by Jefferson and it didn't work. So they're not going to be impeached for their views. No matter how outrageous they are. So why do they get lifetime appointments? They get lifetime appointments because they're supposed to call them straight. They're not supposed to be on the courts as political enforcers. So you have an individual who firebombs a police vehicle in the summer of 2020 trying to kill cops. Who else would you do it? And she gets 15 months at the behest of the Biden Garland Justice Department. And then you have some, some guy who steals or takes a coat rack out of the Capitol building, and that guy's facing three years. Same Department of Justice. Same Department of Justice, different judge. But that judge is a real, well, she's not particularly good either. The Democrat judges in Washington, D.C. are the worst in the country. They're the worst in the country. They're a disaster. Anyway, I thought you'd be interested in what Netanyahu's planning to do. What DeSantis did in Florida, what Trump was trying to do in the country. And you make enemies. People who want to destroy you. People who want to put you in prison. People who want to ruin you. People who smear you in the media. Because you're up against the system. You're up against a corrupt system that has grown big and fat and demanding and so forth. I'll be right back. Dave in Boca Raton, Florida, the great WJNO. How are you, sir? Hey, Mark. How's it going tonight, man? You're on, you're right, on a brother. run, it Thank seems you. like. Hey, uh, Pete yeah. and Jen had six months to fix this energy crisis with the diesel fuel. Um, I think they should be impeached for that. That's my own opinion. And if the Republicans don't build a refinery, they might as well throw the inflation games out the window and just investigate, investigate, investigate. Because I don't know how they're going to bring this down. You know, I'm in the you know promotional business, manufacturing business. We ship stuff all over the country. It, they're running out of fuel everywhere. The, the 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 quotes are getting a little crazy, and you can't even get guaranteed quotes or anything. It's just really bad. You Let know? me tell you what's going to have to happen, and the pressure is going to be against this. It's going to be against it, even from conservative media. The editorial pages in conservative media. You're going to be hearing people say that this is political suicide. They're going to have to shut down the government. With the debt ceiling coming up, remember the debt ceiling is not about paying past debt. This government takes in about $300 billion a month. 
The debt ceiling is about future spending and future budgets. And I'll explain this in more detail because we are going to hit the wall on this. And you're going to see pressure by McConnell and his supporters in the media. I'm sure he's already working on it. We go through this all the time. You can't shut down the government. Of course you can. They shut down the whole damn private economy, didn't they, sir? Yeah. And uh, you folks on Social Security and Medicare and you veterans need to understand something. By statute, you are exempted. So when we talk about putting the brakes on spending, Social Security, Medicare, and veterans benefits are unaffected. Utterly, completely, 100% unaffected. So they'll try to scare the hell out of you. That's number one. Number two, when Paul Ryan was on this program, before he became a never-Trumper rhino, he made it abundantly clear that 17% of the government at any time shuts down when you actually shut down the government because they assign themselves the, the, the nomenclature of essential worker. So they'll try to make it as painful as possible. But the essentials continue. This government's been shut down 20 times before. The problem is, if we're going to get spending under control, the only way to get spending under control is to get spending under control. I'll be right back. Making sure the land of the free and the home of the brave stays that way. Dial Mark Levin now at 877-381-3811. It's time to unleash the hounds. And I mean that in a good way. On the Republican side of the house. It's time. The only way you get these things resolved is to do to them what they do to us. And there are multiple federal immigration statutes that have been violated by this president and the secretary of DHS that are not being enforced by the Attorney General of the United States. And the Attorney General needs to come up before Congress and answer a lot of questions under oath, under penalty of perjury. There's a lot of laws that have gone unenforced and a lot of laws that they are expanding to apply to Republicans and pro-lifers. And when he gets up there and he plays like he's John Fetterman, that cannot be tolerated. It cannot be tolerated. And they need to subpoena the hell out of this Attorney General, and it's the Deputy Attorney General who's this Fengali behind the scenes. And they need to subpoena the hell out of the Assistant Attorney General for Civil Rights and the Assistant Attorney General at the Criminal Division. And they need to dig in and fight. And I want to remind these Republicans that the Democrats have paved the way on how to do these things. And do not be afraid to use their tactics. As far as the January 6th committee, you need to put a notice out to that committee immediately to preserve all records. All records. And then you need a specially skilled group of staffers, of lawyers, to go through all their files. And then Nancy Pelosi needs to be targeted for subpoenas. She was in charge of the House of Representatives. And she's not been subjected to any form of investigation. 
She doesn't just get to step down as Speaker of the House. But hide behind the media. As a backbencher. You know, my buddy Derek Hunter has a great piece, and I posted it on my social sites. About how Nancy Pelosi has gotten more hateful, more evil, and more nasty on the way out the door. And there's no question she has. She's a lousy person. That's what she is. A lousy person. She did everything she could to cripple the Trump presidency. And as if she's some spectacular political Svengali, she lost the House twice under her tutelage. But she rams through Obamacare. Of course, they consider that a great, profound event without us even knowing what's in it. That's about as un-American as it gets. Your healthcare system is affected by something you don't even get to read. She's rammed through with her buddies, including Joey, a massive debt on this country. It's beyond belief. It's unimaginable. And our children and grandchildren are going to be suffering with this for decades to come. This inflation is just a little taste. Open borders. The Democrat parties made clear they support open borders. Schumer let the cat out of the bag. I've talked about it before. I've been accused of supporting replacement theory. Well, first of all, it's not a theory. Secondly, it's part of the Democrat Party objective. He said as much. It's his whole point. You're not having enough kids while they're pushing abortion. And so we need to replace that with uh, foreigners. And Democrat voters, they think. That's all. Pretty sickening. That's good on Michael. Queens, New York, the great WABC. Go right ahead, please. Mark, how are you? Thanks for taking my call. But you, well, I, you. I absolutely agree with you. Something's got to be done with these judges, Mark. They live until 80, 90 years old. What happens if one of these characters gets dementia or Alzheimer's on the bench? You want to know you something? My book, Men in Black, at the very beginning, I talk about specific justices and many of their frailties. Some of them were racists. Some of them were anti-Semites. Some of them were involved in unethical business dealings. And a number of them had dementia. And the court had to figure out what to do about it, how to rule around them, how to encourage them to resign, you know, that sort of thing. So to answer your question, we have had those situations. Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons I do believe in term limits. I know the liberals have picked up on this sort of thing. I don't care what they pick up on. I think for myself. So I think there needs to be term limits. Some have recommended 12 years. I recommended 14 years. Whatever it is, it is. It's enough time to uh, exercise your power. And then people will say to me, rightly, but then what happens to a Clarence Thomas? Or what would have happened to a Scalia? Yeah. They would have had to step down. But the problem is we don't normally get Scalia's and Clarence Thomas's. We normally get a John Roberts type or a Kavanaugh type or something like that. That's the history. But the point is the chips will fall where they may. I agree with you. 
because you agree with me. Anything else, Michael? Yeah, uh, I was wondering, uh, what can we do to get the Republicans to stick to some sort of a program that they, we put them in these offices, and then all of a sudden they're worried about going to cocktail parties in Washington, and they want to play... Uh, they want to play nice in the sandpit with the Democrats. I, I think the best it. thing you can do at this point, since we just had the election, is to show up at these town hall meetings they have, and you and 10 or 20 other people, and make it abundantly clear where you stand and what they need to do. You saw how the uh, constituents for AOC dealt with her. But we used to do this in the Tea Party movement in 2010 and beyond, and we need to continue to do this. We need to show up at their town hall meetings and speak. And make it clear to them what we expect them to do. You think you could do that, Michael? Mark, absolutely. I, I came from the Bronx. I know how to handle that. <laughs> yeah, but now you're in Queens, so we're not so sure. I'm just kidding. Yeah, Rockaway Be- Beach is just as tough. <laughs> Look, all of New York's tough. Except for one couple of streets there. All right, Michael. Take care of yourself. It hasn't been lost on me that five human beings were murdered in Colorado. I've been waiting for more and more facts to come in, and they're not coming in. And I didn't want to use it as an opportunity to attack the left, which, of course, immediately says, like Pelosi does, does that MAGA influenced this, and one fellow's on CNN, I believe, and says the Republicans need to learn from this. We need to learn what from this? MAGA did what? Some nut job went into that country, went into that club and murdered people. We don't know why. I'm sitting here waiting to get the information. And there was a great hero, an army vet, who grabbed the gun from this guy and then hit him with it and then beat the crap out of him and got him under control. That's a hero. But what is this constant refrain? I'm telling you, folks. The Democrat Party and left, they don't care about human beings. They just don't. They don't care if you suffer this winter in New England and northeastern Pennsylvania. A little cold, that's your problem. They don't care. They don't care if it's inflation, they'll tell you that's Putin's fault. And the, the problem is most of their base will believe it. Yeah, it's Putin. It's got to be Putin or Trump, one or the other. They don't care if you're having trouble make ends meet. They could care less. Baby formula. When's the last time you heard a story on baby formula? You know there's still a shortage, right? No, you don't. And people are going to sit down at Thanksgiving dinner, and they paid a lot more for Thanksgiving dinner than they needed to pay, thanks to what this government has done. We've been in wars before. We were in Afghanistan for 20 years. Did that affect inflation? I don't know, you know, it's just unbelievable. Yep, let's keep going. Let's go to Kirk in Arbor, Michigan. XM Satellite. Kirk, how are you, my friend? Yeah, hey, Mark. It's really good to hear from you. I listen to you all the time. Um, Thank you. The reason why I'm calling you is Trump's tax returns being released. The Supreme Court is going to release them. No, the Supreme Court ordered that the IRS can release them to the Democrats in the House. 
Right, right. But the whole thing is, so they're they're still going after Trump. It doesn't ever end. And, and we're supposed know, they, to get over it. No, remember they can look for. We need it. Meanwhile, you know, a lot of us are not going to just leave that guy behind. No matter yeah. who you vote for in the Republican primaries, we're not going to pretend he wasn't president. We're not going to pretend that he isn't abused. Almost like Dreyfus, for God's sakes, with the French. It's unbelievable. I've never seen anything like this. Yeah, well, I, you, you know you know he's going to win, but one way they want to stop him, one way or another. But the whole thing is... I don't know who's going to win. I just, I just don't agree with the injustice and inequality and the abuse of power that's taking place. Um, but the whole thing is, Mitch could go after Biden because of the Biden crime, crime family. But mm. you know, Mitch, will, he doesn't have the stones to do it. That's the whole problem. Well, Mitch has his own issues, as Peter Schweitzer has written and reported. His uh, family's ties to the communist Chinese government with the freight business that his in-laws have. And Mitch knows that there's certain things he can say, but he can't do much because otherwise they won't have that you know, basic monopoly that he's got, as Peter Schweitzer has reported. I need to bring him back, and we need to go over that again. All right, thank you uh, for your call, my friend. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, our dear friend Justin... Lost his mother this morning to cancer. She was struggling. She was in pain. It's a pretty young guy. He's got a young family. He helps me do my exercises and Julie do hers. He helps keep me alive, this man. And so it's with the deepest of sympathies that our family lets him know, I doubt if he's listening, but it doesn't matter, how much we care about what he and his family are going through. And I want to say the same to many of you. We don't know what other people are going through. Life is very difficult. Yes, we're blessed. We're blessed because we're born in the United States of America. We're blessed because of the people who came before us. We're blessed because, at least for now, we're relatively free. We see what it looks like in the abyss, how things are going. And we're blessed because there's tens of millions of us, fellow patriots, who are not going to go there willingly. And I, and I believe we're going to find a way out of this. We must. Because we love our children and our grandchildren, and generations yet born deserve as much. I personally am greatly blessed. I'll admit it's been a very tough five years. You lose your father, you lose your mother. Lose a brother-in-law. Lose other family members. Really a tough ten years. A father-in-law... A, I guess an in-law uncle, I would call, Binks. There's been a lot of that. 
too much of it. One brother suffering uh, from a horrific disease. So every day is a challenge. Every day is tough. And you have to deal with it too. Some of you listening to me are quite ill or have family members who are quite ill. Some of you listening to me have had recent people close to you as can be who've passed away. Maybe today, maybe last year, whenever it was. We love our doggies. They don't live very long. That takes a great toll on all of us or other pets that you may have. But you have to keep plowing ahead. You have to do the best you can do. And Thanksgiving is one of the times that we as a community of human beings look at what we have and realize it could be a lot worse. I want to thank you for everything. I owe you, this audience, really everything I have, other than my family, of course. And I love you very much, and I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. See you soon.